0: It, it's fitting. It is, is really fitting. And and to um, to kind of put it in perspective, not that Christy certainly needs me defending her case. Christy plays in every service. So she's and every service has music in different orders. So it's kind of funny that that happened because every service this morning has had something quirky happen. And it has been um, just kind of the running fun of the morning. And you all that are here enough know that I... I you know, these kind of things and unplanned things that just, it's part of the, the reality that we're human beings and that God works through our imperfections. And it's been that kind of a day. Um, it started right out of the gate for me, I, and I've shared this story with each of the, the services. We're in 2 Timothy this morning. If you have your Bibles want to get ahead of me, I'll get there in a minute. But um, last night, as, as I've shared with you, part of my Saturday night ritual is I pick out whatever it is I'm going to wear on Sunday morning. And I have to do that more intentionally than I ever thought I would because you all pay attention. And you, some of you remember what I wear week to week, and if I wear the same shirt I wore last week, I will hear about it. I don't even know what I wore last week, but you all apparently do. So, um, so I, I pick out the clothes, and then I have to bring Tony in to make sure it's okay. And, um, and so I grabbed this shirt last night. I've never worn this shirt before. And Tony wasn't even sure where I'd gotten the shirt. I'm sure she bought it for me. But I pulled it out and, um, you know, kind of matched matched the outfit and made sure the the shirt was ironed and ready to go. And so I hang it up. When I get up on Sunday morning, um, it takes an act of God for me to change what I've chosen to wear because I'm not ironing another shirt. So as long as I don't spill coffee down it, I'm gonna go with whatever it is I chose. So I pulled this shirt, knowing I'd never worn it before, and and it, you know, fit fine in the places I thought it needed to fit the buttons in the middle and the neck. Y'all know Capri pants? Apparently, this is a Capri shirt. (laughs) Because that's where it goes right there. And I'm like, heck no, I'm not changing. So, I'm going with it. So, that's why I've got the loose look. It's, it's, that's what it is. So, I, uh, I don't know where it came from, and you may never, ever see it again. I don't know. I might wear it, but it's a summer shirt. Exactly. It's a summer shirt. So, uh, so, that, so, that's how the day started. So, that was kind of the thing. You know, me standing in front of the mirror going, I'm just not, I'm going with it. I'll figure it out. And, um, And I walk out to come to church and I go to get in the car. Last night, Tony and Cassidy went grocery shopping. They got home. We all unpacked the cars as we have to do after, you know, mama's been grocery shopping. And I don't know who, Tony, um, left the, the, the door open on the driver's side, just left the car open all night long. Now, it was fine. And it was a little wet, so I get in. Well, here's the problem. I didn't pay enough attention. Apparently, in the middle of the night, Mr. Spider built a cobweb in the driver's side of the car. I sat right in the cobweb. Now, you know what you do when you walk through a cobweb. That's what I was doing. <laughs> here's the concern. What's the first concern when you walk in a spider web? Where's the spider? I have no idea where the spider went. No clue where the spider went and i'm hoping he doesn't turn up anytime soon. So uh, that was that was the morning. So it's just been kind of goofy from the get go in all the best sense of the word. And so that's the fun. so that's that's why the shirt looks like this today. And so i just tell you because you all will notice and you'll ask. So there you go. Um, but in a, in a in a bridge if you will to this morning. In in far more significant ways. We're talking about today how we frame and understand our reality, our experiences. And I said in, in far more significant ways than summer shirts and cobwebs. But, but how do we give some context to our lives? And to do so, this morning I'm going to turn to 2 Timothy, Paul's letter to the church, I'm going to begin at verse 14 and read through the first few verses of chapter 4. And, and there's a key verse, and I'll highlight it when we get there, that for some of you is going to be very, very familiar words from Paul in 2 Timothy. So we begin here, verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from who you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Here, friends, our focal text this morning. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, bless our hearing of your word as it is read. And I pray... Bless the speaking of these words. They be from you that would equip us for every good work through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. It was about about four years ago, I think, uh, at a family dinner that we were having at uh, the Spaghetti Warehouse in, in Ybor City. The Spaghetti Warehouse is like the second living room um, for, for Tony's side of the family. I mean, if, if I say to you, we got together with, with Tony's sister or, or um, my father-in-law and said so we, we had dinner, you can pretty much guess and assume it was at the Spaghetti Warehouse. Uh, we've been there so much, they have a special booth for us. And, um, and part of the reason is because Tony's side of the family loves, and I like the Spaghetti Warehouse, they love it. And second of all, they're all in Zephyr Hills, We're in parish. It's kind of a nice middle ground. Uh, but it was there in a meal with the family that we were sitting. In, and, and my brother-in-law was showing me his new smartphone. I had not up until this point had a smartphone. I'm going to assume you're all familiar with the, tech, the term smartphone. But if you're not, it's basically the phones that are big computers, you know, that do everything. Not just, I had a dumb phone at that point, which meant I could make a phone call on it. That's all I could do. But, but smartphones, which are the computers, which many of us carry now. I hadn't gotten one yet. So he was kind of showing it to me. And the piece of technology that I remember that was the most fascinating to me was the fact that you could walk outside. He, he showed this when we left. We could walk outside, and it was nighttime, and the stars were out. And you could take his phone, and you could open a certain application, and you could point the viewfinder at the sky, And it would tell you the stars and the constellations you were looking at. And some of you are not in your head. You know this. There's a program I have called SkyMap. There's probably a few of them. But you can point and it will identify stars and, and constellations, which I found fascinating. And it was an introduction to me to a term I've come to understand that technology has opened us to, which is called augmented reality. Augmented reality. Now, now, you may be more familiar with the term virtual reality. Virtual reality is that technology that disconnects you from the natural world, disconnects you from, from what you know to be the, um, the world around you, and creates an artificial environment. Not in a negative way, but it, it creates a new world, a new experience that's, that's disconnected from the natural world around you. The, the best example I could think of for this was uh, a few years ago with the kids. We were at uh, Disney, and they have these, these places you can go at Disney where kids and, and adults can get on a computer and you can design a roller coaster with turns and flips and all these things. And then the program, it's programmed into this kind of pod that you can sit in that closes down over you, and you can then ride a simulation of your roller coaster. Now, you don't go anywhere. You're in that, you know, it'll flip you, it'll do all that stuff, but it's the roller coaster you designed. Now, that's virtual reality because none of that's real. It's simulated. It's, it's created. Augmented reality doesn't do that. Rather, it informs, shapes, uh, colors, if you will, what you're experiencing, what you're seeing, a program that points to the stars and lets you know what you're seeing You know, it helps you identify what you're seeing. How many of you have GPS systems in your cars, on your phones, that you use to get anywhere? That's augmented reality. It lets you know how to get someplace. It helps kind of, but it doesn't change the reality of of what you're experiencing. Augmented reality. And it's fascinating. And and I'm not a um, a, a deep student of, of developing technology, but I've read enough to know it's about to to go to the whole next level. I mean, they're working on technologies now that will put GPS systems in your dashboard. I mean, in your 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 your, your glass, the, the mirror, the windshield. Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for, windshield of your car. And they're working on this, and it's gonna be unveiled, I think, sometimes in the next year, Google Glass. Have you heard about this? Oh, let me just kind of share this one with you because this one blows my mind. It's this technology, it looks like glasses with no... No lens on it. So it's like the frame of glasses. And then it is, is almost looks like a crystal that's right up here in your line of vision. And basically, what it is, is it's a little computer screen. And it allows you to, to basically engage technology on the move. So you can um, walk around with these glasses on, and maybe you're in a city and you want to find a coffee shop, and you can say directions to Starbucks. And it will start to give you directions through the, through the screen that's in your line of vision. And I've seen the, the videos of how this has been demonstrated. You can, um, you can say to it, take a picture, and it snaps a picture based on what you're looking at. You know, it's just new technology. It basically does the same thing smartphones do, but it puts it in your line of sight. Maybe that's good. Maybe that's bad. My point really isn't to, to, to promote or even to engage the issue of the technology, but the fact that what it does is it augments reality it doesn't change it it doesn't alter it it informs it 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 shapes You're standing at a restaurant we do this and you want to look to see how the ratings are and what people are writing about it it gives you information to help you understand and develop some thoughts and framework for for what we experience now my tendency is to see that as a futuristic technology, to see that as something that is developing, that is coming. But if, I, if that's the way you view it, as I do, then quite respectfully, I want to say you're wrong. It's not. The way it may be communicated is futuristic, but that augmented reality is nothing new. Why don't you just grab your Bibles? If you don't have a Bible, reach in front of you if you can. In the chair right in front of you, probably right in front of you, is a Bible. Grab a Bible. All right, if you've got a Bible, it's just hold it up. Hold it up. Now, if you don't have one, just look around. Brothers and sisters, this is augmented reality. It's augmented reality. Keep it in your hand for a little while. Just so you, can hold, you don't have to hold it out though. Augmented reality. What I mean when I say it's augmented reality is God's Word for us does in more po- powerful and profound and significant ways... It does what Google Glass is intending to do. It shapes our understanding of our reality. It shapes our understanding of the world and the experience and what we do and what we see. It gives meaning and texture to our lives as the foundation of not only faith, but who God is and who we are. Paul says that these words, he's referring to, to the to the old testament canon, but but we believe through the witness of the church we would apply that to the words from Genesis 1 1 to the end of Revelation. These words are God breathed. They are inspired of God for teaching for shaping, for, for molding God's people for the work that we're called to do, for the engagement of good works. And that's an important part of the text. It shapes us for purpose, but it shapes us to help us understand and to make sense and frame the, the world around us and our everyday experiences. And what Paul says To Timothy, what Paul says to the church, what God says to us is this is valuable. This matters. This is the foundation on which your knowledge of who God is and who Jesus Christ is, this is the foundation on which that is built. And it is a treasure. The reality is too many of us treat it in far less significant ways. Too many of us, for us, the Bible is, is less treasure and more family heirloom. Less treasure and more decorative centerpiece on the table. Less treasure and more uh, part of the outfit that we wear to church. We have, through our actions, too often devalued the Word of God. It's interesting that in the Middle Ages, leading or the Dark Ages, leading into the Middle Ages, one of the most valuable treasures you could possess was a book. It was a book. They were hand copied, they were um, rare among the, the masses of people. Usually, uh, if somebody owned a book, it's meant that they were either very wealthy, or they were very well-educated. And it was a highly illiterate society in those times, which is why stained glass and pictures were so important in cathedrals. They told the stories. Churches very often would, would rarely have a book, and if they did, it was the Bible, usually in the Latin. And it was a treasured commodity. It was of so much value that they would protect the Bible. Anybody know how they protected it? They chained it to the pulpit. The Bible would be chained to the pulpit. And not a pulpit like this that could be carried off. A big, heavy stone pulpit or something that wasn't going to be carried away. And if, if somebody could even read, if they were going to read the Bible, if they were going to study the Bible in the Latin or in the Greek or in the Hebrew, they'd have to do it at the pulpit while it was chained up. We know that Martin Luther, prior to the Protestant Reformation, spent countless hours studying the Bible that was chained up to the pulpit in the Augustan Monastery there in Wittenberg. It was that valuable. Then an interesting thing happened. The Reformers believed that this book was so valuable was so important, was so significant in the shaping of the lives of the people of God that they very often at the risk of their own lives fought to have those Latin and Greek and Hebrew texts translated into the common vernacular, the language of the people. So individuals like you and me could begin to have a copy of God's word in our hands. And of course, the most famous of those English translations is the very first one in 1611. It is known as what? King James Version. King James uh, version of the Bible. That first, but but many have been written. In fact, the statistics that I was reading said that today there are the Bible has been translated into over 1,100 different languages, and by some estimation, scholars and translators are working right now on 1,300 additional language translations because it is that important. Because those who have gone before us in faith, those men and women who have been a part of the, the, the testimony of the, the, the witnesses on whose, faith, uh, whose shoulders our faith is built, believed certainly 400 years ago and even to today that these words were so important that they needed to be accessible by those who chose to follow the way of Christ. Here's the tragedy. The Bible has gone from 400 years ago, the Bible has gone from being unchained to for many of us to being largely unopened. We, and I say this collectively, maybe not you, maybe not you, some of you are incredible students of the Bible. But we largely have put the Bible on the back burner. We've stopped studying. We've stopped valuing as much as we should God's Word. Paul's description of that which is God-breathed. You know, it's a reality. In, in our music and in our songs and in my preaching. I'm at a place now in, in my own recognition that I can never assume that any reference I make to any story or any scripture is known. And that's understandable. Some of you and some people are brand new to the faith, thinking, wow, I just came to, I just started fig- trying to figure this out. And please hear me, I, I'm not necessarily challenging you But some of us have to be honest. Some of us have been Christians for a long time. But we've neglected God's word in our lives. And and I want to pause here because there's a danger that, that what I'm saying to you today is going to be received as criticism. It's going to be received as guilt, which is not the intention of my heart my heart and my prayer is that you would receive it as i receive it not as guilt or criticism but as a challenge as opportunity because god has given us a gift god has given us the means by which we come to learn more about who he is and who we are and who jesus is it's a treasure not an obligation. And, and maybe part of the, the challenge for us is that just the word that we use. We talk about Bible study. And for some of us, study is not a positive word. You know, it takes us back to things we had to do when we were in school and assignments we had to finish and things we, you know, we get on our kids all the time. Have you done your studies? Have you taken care of is your studies, your homework done? And it's it's kind of not something that they embraced with enthusiasm. And it wasn't something that I embraced with enthusiasm. And maybe you're like me, you don't embrace it with enthusiasm. And so maybe the language gets in the way. But this kind of study is more like digesting good food. You know, It is, it is more like taking in a, a blessing that God gives us. Because here's what I know, no matter where you are in life, No matter what struggle you may find yourself in the midst of, no matter how great your joy at this moment or how difficult your challenge is, you can find your story in here. It's here. Oh, it may not be your name, but you know what? When we read about David and Goliath, I know that many of you are in places in your life right now where you feel like you are standing fearfully and overwhelmingly in front of a giant in front of your own giant. And David reminds us of the strength of God that makes all things possible. I know many of you are in places and have been or will be in places where you're wondering where God is and why God has allowed whatever you are going through to to come upon you. And I know that we can read about a man by the name of Job who had those same cries and frustration and even anger before God and yet who God never abandoned. As a church, we can struggle with what does it mean to be a church? Who are we called to be? What are we called to do? What's our directive, if you will? And we can read the, st- the story of Acts all the way to the very end and we can read what God not only has called the church to be but how God has worked through the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ over and over. We can go over and over through the stories and through the songs and through the prayers and we can find words that shape our reality, that augment our story, that give meaning and texture to what we face. This is not just ancient Words, old, outdated manuscripts, the world will tell you that. But Paul says, no, this is different. These words are God-breathed. We can argue all day about exactly what that means, but what is unquestionable is that God's hand is in it. God's hand is in it, and our lives need to be shaped by it. Too often, we just don't open it. And we don't spend time and, and we section it and we fragment it and we do that so we can find things. But it's, it's a beautiful story of poetry and of great stories and narratives and wonderful teachings. And it's all here if we would get our lives into it. And so here's the simple message today. It's, it's the simple challenge Get into God's word. Not, not guilt trip. Not piling on you because I don't do it as much as I think I should either. But challenge to get into the word. To be shaped by it. Every week we spend time in God's word here. Right now there are groups of kids in each of these rooms that are learning God's word. This morning there's been a friendship class and a, a Max Miner Sunday school class and a, a parents class that have spent time in some way. I know, and I haven't talked to any of the teachers, but I know each of those groups spent some time in the Word of God. As Pastor Don does and small groups in the home does, as youth do on Sunday, Wednesday nights, and as every Sunday we declare the special place of this Word. We read from it. And I hold it up before you and I'll say words like the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let our lives be the testimony of our thanks. Get into it. Read it. Study it. Pray over it. Be shaped by it. It is a gift that augments our reality, undergirds our experience and communicates us to us the love and the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. Here it is a challenge, not a criticism, Not a condemnation, but a challenge. Wherever you are today, go one step deeper. Brothers and sisters, that is the word of God. That is for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, that we would be shaped by your inspired word, molded, augmented, empowered by your Holy Spirit, the story that changes us. It is the story of your people. It is the story of your love. It is the story of our Savior. May it become a familiar friend to each of us. In Christ we pray. Amen.